glad you're all ready to sing. All right, let's praise the Lord. The Bible uh, instructs us to make a joyful noise. So uh, you may have to do an attitude adjustment a little bit, like be, be uh, purposeful about that. Like, okay, Lord, you know what kind of mood I'm in right now, <laughs> or I'm really tired and you're going to have to wake me up. But hey, let's invite him to do that. So we make a joyful noise as we lift up his name. He inhabits the praise of his people. He will come and meet us here in powerful ways as we focus on him. So this song is our opening prayer. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Yes, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you, I 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Oh, my. 
needed shelter. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. When you called my name, I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. You called my name. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious name. You called my name, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious name. Amen. It's night and day what God can do in our lives. Uh, the scripture tells us we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead. We were in a grave. But Christ is the life giver and he has raised us to new life. Praise his name. Shame at the 
message that we want you to live by. The accuser of the brethren, the enemy, the devil, will try to flood your life with condemnation and shame. Now, um, when you've disobeyed God, there will be conviction for sin, and, uh, and, the, and the, the impulse or the, the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit to change, to confess those sins and, and be forgiven. But recognize where the shame and the condemnation comes from, not from God, but from the enemy, 
who would just like to keep you drowning in a sea of that shame and condemnation to where you never feel worthy, you never feel accepted as a child of God, and, and the Scripture would tell us otherwise. You can be forgiven. You can live free. You can live with God's power. You can be an overcomer in this world through the power of God to change your life. Don't live in the condemnation and shame. And as we prepare to go to prayer this morning, um, I just want to tell you that prayer is the primary way we connect with God, and prayer is transformative. In other words, it changes us. My experience, it changes us from the inside out. So that means sometimes we come to prayer and we're like overwhelmed with worry, anxiety, fear over situations that we just don't have any control over and don't know what to do. We come to God, and there's two ways we can handle this. One is we just come to God and we, we tell him all those things and we're just kind of rehearsing them, which only increases the fear and the worry and the anxiety. The other way is to come to God and to offload, to lay at the feet of Jesus the burdens that we're carrying. And I hope that'll be your experience this morning. So here's a couple prayer suggestions. One is, if you are feeling right now that condemnation and shame, and when I talked about that, that that comes from the enemy, that, that you just felt like, I'm still living in that, so something must be wrong with me. W would you take part of this prayer time, and would you offload that and put it at the feet of Jesus? If there's sin in your life, well, confess that and let him forgive you, but, but don't live in the shame and the condemnation, okay? Another, another suggestion is, you may have just realized all week I've been rehearsing my struggles and my, my worries and fears. W would you consciously in this prayer time lay them at the feet of Jesus? Lord, I really can't do anything about these circumstances, but I submit them to you, and I'm going to trust you for the answers that you have in them. He's promised sufficient grace. If you're going to have to go through a hard time, and he's not going to release you from that, he's going to go with you if you just submit to him. So I want to encourage you in that. We have um, great prayer needs. Stacy Herring, you know Stacy and Mark. Um, Stacy's usually here with her, her um, a dog uh, because of her seizures. And um, she is in Kansas City, had, had a surgery on Friday, and is in Kansas City recovering. And they're going to have to do a lot of tests. She might be there three weeks or so. But let's lift up Stacy and Mark today. Um, we're praying for Stevie Gregory, who recently had tumors removed um, in her in her brain, Billing, praying for Bill Jung, Joanna's dad, um, who also is dealing with cancer diagnosis and treatment, praying for John Rush's sister, Selena, Shalina, in her uh, cancer struggle. And you've all brought your own needs and concerns, so there's names that you need to put before God today, and some of those you're just going to have to lay them at the feet of Jesus. But would you also make yourself available? Because sometimes when we pray for somebody, God taps us and says, you're the one who's supposed to go help them. You're the one who's going to be the answer to their prayer. So open yourself to God and what he might say to you in this prayer time. Pastor Kelsey and I are going to come down to the front here. The worship team is going to lead us in a, in a classic song of prayer. And uh, if you have 
real personal needs that you might not share publicly but you'd like prayer for, we're going to be down here to pray for you. Or we could anoint you for healing. But uh, this, is, this is the time. Would you stand again and let's, uh, let's put our hearts before God and seek his face.
Lord, we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, our Savior and our God, the one who goes before us. You are the way maker. We turn to you with the burdens of these that we're praying for. You're our healer and helper. You're our strength and our deliverer. You are God. We call out to you because we love you and we trust you and we need you. So, Lord, we come humbly. We are humbled to think of some of these requests that we've shared and how helpless we feel. We're, we're not trained doctors. And, and some of these are even beyond the doctor's care. It will take the touch of God and your healing. Lord, we're going to lay these requests at your feet. We're going to trust you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to shine your light into the lives of people who are who don't know Christ as their Savior, that, Lord, you would use us. And I want to thank you, God, for this church. I want to thank you for the, the fellowship that we share together and, and for the joy there is when we come together to lift your praises in song and open your word and let the truth of God speak into our lives. And we come again expectantly into this service, God. We lift up some of these that are on our, our prayer list today. I pray for Stacy especially and, uh, and her recovery and for what doctors need to know that they may not know now. I pray you'll guide them, help them, those that read these test results and so forth, to be able to, to see what they need to see and do what they need to do. We lift her up to you. I pray for, for Shalina and we lift her to you that, God, you would, you would work in her life that she would come to know you and that you would uh, you'd reveal yourself to her in a way that she would know um, what she needs to do um, in these days, these difficult days. Uh, we want to pray, God, for, for, for Stevie and pray, Lord, you would be with her and heal her. Help in the prognosis and the things that they're looking at going ahead. We pray for Bill Jung, and we lift him to you, God, thanking you he was able to begin treatment this week. We pray, Lord, for our schools as we think of teachers that are starting to come back to classrooms and think about the fall and think about our gathering of these school supplies and how we want to be a blessing in this community, God. We turn to you and ask you to help us, that it would flow out of us. That the, that the blessing of God would be something people sense as they spend time with us, as they hear us speak the truth about who our God is and how great you are, that it would influence their lives. And Lord, we realize we live in a dark world. It's so confused uh, morally, and, and there are so many issues at stake, and politics gets wrapped up in all these different things. But Lord, we want to be followers of Jesus who walk like Jesus did through this world, a world that was very political in his day, and a world that had a lot of issues. But Lord, 
you have a message for today and you have a way to use us. We have a sense that we were placed here for such a time as this, that we would be your people in this day. We would be a light of truth shining into our darkened culture and that you would use us for your glory. I pray that as we worship together, that we would feel a strengthening as we're together, Lord. For those who came in today, especially feeling weak for all that's gone on in their world this week, may they be lifted by the strength of the congregation and by your hand. We pray for those who feel a lack of faith today, that they want to believe and they say, help my unbelief, that in this hour of worship, that faith would be strengthened, that they would hear truth from your word and it would pick them up, that they could cling to it and live by it. We pray, God, for your will in, in, uh, in what you have for us in the coming days as a church. I pray, Lord, for the, the staff positions that need to be hired for, that you would guide us in that. I pray for our church board as we meet tomorrow night. I pray, God, that you will raise up from within this congregation those that you have gifted, that they would not stay on the sidelines, but they would rise up and volunteer for what your Holy Spirit is prompting them to do. And then, Lord, I pray that we would have that sense of community, that we walk this journey together, not alone, but together, and that it would be a marvelous, strengthening um, experience of saying, this is my brother, this is my sister, and there would be the shared experiences of the spiritual journey that would, that would encourage us to go forward even when the times are, are low or dark. And so, God, help us to bear each other's burdens. If we sense one is low today, Lord, would you use us to be a, 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 an influencer uh, with, the, with the promises of God and the truth of God and even our own testimony of the faithfulness of God. Use us, we pray. Thank you that you're in this room in a special way to meet us here. Lord, we invite you to speak. Your servants are listening. May we be receivers of the word and then doers of the word. In Christ's name I pray, amen, amen. And you may be seated. Eric Yarnell is coming to share with us from his recent mission trip to Panama. Good morning again. Uh, I am Eric Arnell, if you don't know me uh, already, but uh, we, uh, the Joplin District, well, kind of, Joplin District and the Kansas District, actually, in this case, uh, took a work and witness trip, which they do one about every year. Um, uh, our most recent one was to Panama, and I, I joined in that trip, and it was actually kind of um, a little bit unusual in that sense, what I said earlier because it was supposed to be in 2020 and the Joplin District Work and Witness Coordinator at that time was in the Joplin District of course but he has since moved to another place and he was in the Kansas District so we actually had some people from the Kansas District join us. Uh, COVID messed all this stuff up. So anyway what was supposed to be 2020 was 2022 instead and uh, we finally went, and so anyway, I was going to kind of share some highlights of what happened, and uh, so we've got a little video here, and um, so I'll kind of narrate as we go and tell you what's going on here. So uh, our main thing that we were doing here, so it says the work begins, we were building on this district-owned property, we were building a kind of a fence, basically, basically it's a 
Uh, we started out with, um, uh, anyway, we started out with its, its uh, cinder blocks on the bottom, and then uh, it uh, chain link fence on the, on the wall, and uh, chain link fence the wall. Okay, so um, maybe maybe pause it for a second if you can. Uh, we'll catch up here. So uh, what what you were seeing there, uh, the other the other pictures where we're building the wall, uh, the fence kind of thing. Uh, the reason for that sounds a little funny to fence in a church property or whatever. Maybe it sounds kind of strange, but they were they have plans to build uh, kind of a community ministry center, outreach kind of thing. There'll be a variety of different services and stuff that they'll offer there. Um, but right now it's just, I mean, there's a church and stuff in one corner of it, but the whole rest of the property is just empty land. Uh, except that there's like mango trees and avocado trees and all kinds of crazy stuff because it's Panama and so whatever. But <laughs> uh, other than that, it's empty land, undeveloped. So they uh, have the plan of building all this stuff there. But to be able to secure the building supplies and tools and things like that on the property, um, that stuff will walk away if it's not secured some way. So that's what we were doing, is making it so that they can build uh, there in the future. So like I said, it sounds a little funny, uh, like, oh, we don't want anybody to get in here at this church property, but, uh, but it is kind of important to be able to do that. So uh, and this one, I'll let you go here after I talk about this. I, I didn't actually participate in this. It was just a couple people who uh, got to go to this, but they had a little um, uh, Father's Day outreach that uh, the local missionary there that we were uh, working with, his family was doing that, and, and a couple of our people got to go uh, and participate in that. But uh, that was a little side thing, but it was kind of people in their in their housing community, so there was a little, little outreach um, and that stuff. We did take one day. Always on these trips, we take one day to kind of do sightseeing stuff. You you can let it you can let it go now. Again, so that's um, uh, the kind of stuff we were doing here. Um, you'll see some of the some of the sites. Uh, the other project besides the fence that we had going on, they had one of the uh, what you saw there a shipping container that uh, is what they're currently storing some things in, and we kind of it was just a a whole bunch of stuff thrown in there. And so we built some shelves and cabinets and um, lighting in there and some of that kind of stuff to make it a little more usable. Um, as you can see, I'm doing some electrical work. I'm, I'm pointing here, but you're looking here. Anyway, um, uh, electrical work and, and some of that. And so we buried that, uh, you know, get it out to the building and some of that kind of stuff. Uh, our main project was the, was the, uh, yeah, OSHA approved, you know, uh, <laughs> everything, everything's OSHA approved. <laughs> you know, all these, their, their extension cords were just like bare wires and stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so that's kind of what it looked like uh, after, after they got done, uh, mostly done. There were some shelves, cabinets and stuff in there, like I said, uh, so that it's, it's more usable. We did lots of work with concrete and uh, lots of um, I, I found a new spiritual gift that I didn't know I had um, that I'm really good at wheelbarrowing and uh, I don't know that you'll find it in the Bible but I'm pretty sure it should have been so uh, it's uh, yeah I did I was like attached permanently to a wheelbarrow so up and down the hill and it was kind of a wild ride going down this steep little thing I'm like I'm gonna lose all those 
uh, going down. But anyway, it was, it was very humid, and uh, the temperatures actually were not really hotter than here, but it was really humid, so we were all just dripping sweat all the time. Uh, these are some of the guys that, uh, local guys that we worked with uh, down there, and they only spoke Spanish, so, um, and I don't really, so I was, we were hand motions and, you know, trying to say the few little words that we know and stuff, but we, we made it happen. And so there you can see, uh, that's kind of what it looked like in the end. Uh, we made that, uh, we built that uh, uh, wall, I guess they're calling it fence, whatever, combination fence wall. So this was a, the, more of the sightseeing stuff. The other day, I guess we just had a kind of an afternoon off Sunday afternoon. This was our actual sightseeing day. So we were pretty much in Panama City area uh, the whole time. And so uh, that shows some of the, Panama City is actually a big city and um, you know the, the skyline, all those big buildings and stuff. So we'd have morning and evening devotions. This video moves a little faster than I can talk. But uh, anyway, uh, so that was some of what we were doing there, grouping up uh, with our group. We had 10 people in our group, like I said, from the uh, few were Joplin District and a few were the Kansas District. And um, there they, they put JD is Joplin District and KS is Kansas, I guess. And they, so they road in the concrete. <laughs> I don't know if they were supposed to, but they did anyway. So, uh, and so this, this is our group. And, um, we did have a few people actually from the, the ones that came from the Kansas district, um, all spoke really good Spanish. And so that was nice to have. Um, but don't feel like this is just me. I'm not telling you this stuff, I'm giving this report. So you can say, Oh, look at Eric. He's so great. Um, or anything like that, but it's encouraging you guys, that mission work is, is something that all of us can do, uh, whether you go on an international trip like I did or um, you don't do stuff with your, in your community, whatever it is, uh, we, you know, we can all participate in that. Um, and sometimes I think maybe we will say a lot of times, oh, well, I, there's so much to do here. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to neglect the needs here or whatever. But then when we really sit back and think about it, kind of not always doing that much in our local community either. So don't use that as an excuse, as my encouragement to you. And maybe, you know, an international trip or, or even a, a distant uh, domestic trip, um, something where you go somewhere besides where everybody looks and talks and lives just like we do can be a good thing to broaden our perspective, open our eyes to just see the needs around us. Like I said, it can be local needs too, but there are lots of needs around the world. And so is it really important that, um, you know, we specifically built this wall there, people there could have done that same work, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It's not like we were especially skilled at building walls and fences and things like that. Um, but when you take a, a group, for one thing, we also take funding. Uh, so it helps fund those projects but it's also just encouraging to them. And I've heard this on other trips I've been on too. It really encourages the local people there and the local missionaries and stuff that they're not alone. They're not the only ones trying to do this work. And so um, it can really be helpful. And it's, it's good uh, um, stretching and all that stuff for, for us. It can, be, it can be really good for us uh, to go. So I don't know if you could see, paid much attention to our group there, but it's mostly people who were once young, 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, so if you are in that category and you were once young, uh, don't feel like you can't do this. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what our average age was, but there were several in their, mostly in their 60s, I think. Um, I'd say the majority of our group was in their 60s. And so they were out there, you know, working and, and doing things um, right along with us. So the advantage is sometimes people in that age group are retired and, and things like that. And so, um, you know, take advantage of that uh, is my encouragement to you. And if you're not that, uh, you are currently young or whatever, then um, we could use work and energy and uh, all of that because it is a lot of hard work. So uh, it's, but it's rewarding. It's rewarding work. So uh, again, my encouragement to you, do that. Uh, ask me questions if you have them. Uh, Sean, my wife, is our local NMI president. So she has uh, information about ways that you can get involved excuse me, uh, in things. And uh, there are two upcoming trips I'll tell you about. I don't really have a lot of details, so, but if you're interested, we can find out more. Um, there is a trip to Texas that's coming up spring break of next year, so 2023. And then the NYI, so that would be the youth, uh, I think it's like up through, like seventh grade through age 25, I think is right. Anyway, um, they're going to Australia in 2024. So that sounds like a pretty cool trip to me. But uh, anyway, so just be aware that there are some things coming up uh, on the district. And then, you know, if you get interested, you see a need or you know about something um, and you want to get a group involved from this church, um, I can tell you I'll probably go. So, I mean, uh, we, can, we can make something happen if you're interested. So thank you. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, if you've never been on a mission trip, you need to go. Cheryl and I went on one, um, and, and in that trip decided every one of our kids, adult children, they need to go on a mission trip because it was, it was changing. Uh, our perspective of the world, our perspective of how to share the gospel, and um, on being a servant. So I, I highly recommend that, and if you want to have a conversation, you can talk to Sean or Eric. You can talk to Cheryl and I. Um, we, we are definitely proponents of what he stated about the reasons to go. And God would use you, and you would be blessed. Um, let me uh, share this story as our ushers come and prepare to serve us in the receiving of the regular tithes and offerings. I heard this story from John Maxwell, great leadership training um, person. Um, and he told the story about taking his, this was years ago, his son was, was young, and he took him to a fast food restaurant for lunch. And uh, during the meal, he asked his son if he could have one of his French fries. And his son said no. And John Maxwell says, he, this kid evidently did not know who was paying for the roof over his head, who had given him the free ride to the restaurant, who had bought the whole meal. He evidently didn't understand that. And John Maxwell said, I could have buried him in French fries. And I was asking him to give me one. And he said no. And sometimes in our giving, it's like that with God. <laughs> the one who's provided all that we need in this life, and he asks us one thing, and we say no. Let me challenge you in that area. 
whether that's in the amount you're supposed to give in an offering or something he's asking you to go do or something he's asking you to change in your life, he could bury you in French fries, <laughs> if you will. Say yes to God. At every point, say yes to God. You will never regret it. Let's pray together. I thank you, Lord, for all you have given us. And in this time of, of the plates being passed today, we pray that um, you would help us to remember with gratitude all that you have given us. And Lord, make us givers like you, the one who gave his one and only son, that we might be saved, that we would be generous, open-handed givers of whatever you ask of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The ushers are going to try to pass the plates down the rows, so if you can help them with that. And there's going to be a video that plays while the plates are passed. To us if we open ourselves to its truth. We're uh, going to uh, Exodus chapter 20 again as we walk through the Ten Commandments, and today we're at the fourth commandment, and so I'd like to read for you the scripture text, Exodus 20, beginning at verse 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. A young lady in California needed to learn how to drive. But as anyone who's ever driven in California would know, 
it would be very difficult to find a highway where an inexperienced driver can practice safely. So finally, a friend suggested, why don't you get up really early on Sunday morning and go out on the freeway? And at that hour, it'll be practically empty because the Protestants will still be sleeping, the Catholics will be at early mass, and the rest will already have left for the beach or the golf course. So she took his suggestion and she got out there on the freeway and she was fine for a few weeks until she had an accident. And when a friend saw her again, he asked, what happened? I was hit by a Seventh-day Adventist who was hurrying to get to the store. <laughs> All right, let me try to summarize where we've been so far. And there's a note placed there in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along. We've been walking through what I've called the Big Ten for this sermon series, the Ten Commandments, and today is the Fourth Commandment. So let's review. The First Commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. It's really the God first principle. God first, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment is about not having idols, any graven image. And it reminds us that God is invisible. So we need to be careful about trying to have a representation of God that we worship or of mixing false worship with the worship of the one true God. And the third commandment we talked about last week, do not misuse God's name, do not take the name of the Lord in vain, is a reminder that God's name is holy. And the fourth commandment then calls us to recognize there is a special day. It comes around once a week. It's set apart, for, by, set apart by God for rest and for worship. It's a day when we're freed from our other responsibilities to be able to emphasize loving God. And that commandment speaks to the 24-7 culture in which you and I live a culture that largely ignores the importance of the fourth commandment. But it is a basic truth that people do need to live by. People with twisted ideas of the universe, people who think that life is about cramming as much into every day with, with as much work and activity as it can hold. People who don't know what a, what a man or a, a woman is, so we definitely don't know what it is that will fulfill our lives. And not knowing that and ignoring God's law is literally killing us. People who don't obey the fourth commandment end up at the doctor's office or the emergency room. So into this confusion, the word of God speaks to us through the prophet Ezekiel, who said, son of man, give the people of Israel this message. You are saying our sins are heavy upon us. We are wasting away. How can we survive? I, I submit to you, that is the message of people living a 24-7 lifestyle. It's too heavy. We're wasting away. We're losing ground, not gaining it. 
We can feel it in our bodies. How can we survive? And the passage goes on. God says, as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? God has the way for us to live. And we humans fight against that. We have a basic reaction against rules and commandments and laws. And we feel that, evidently we feel they're not serious enough that we have to live by them. That we can choose what we think is right or what we think is wrong. But God's moral law does not give us a choice. We'll break ourselves against his law. The holy creator God gave the Ten Commandments to help us. To tell us how to live in relationship with him and with each other. So the first four about relationship with God and the, and the last six we'll move into next week, but the last six are about relationship with our fellow man. And he's opened a way for us to come back to him because when we read these commandments, sometimes we'll realize, oh, I have not been living that way. But God, in, in, in full grace, holds the door open that we can still come back to him and receive forgiveness, receive what we need. And today, he's holding that door of grace open. And I love how the scripture says it, Old Testament and New Testament, so that all, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you need a change, if you need a fresh start, it's still available at this moment. Praise God. So is it a holy day or a holiday? <laughs> it's a gift. The children of Israel had been out of Egypt about six weeks when they started grumbling about food. Some people just got convicted right there. So anyway, here's what they said. If only we had stayed in Egypt where we had pots of food, all we wanted. Now, Moses, you brought us out here to die. Really? Is that how you remember it? Is that what you're going with, that you had plenty of food in Egypt? Now, I know I wasn't there. But I don't think slaves in Egypt had big pots of food as much as they wanted any time. But in his grace, God responded to their grumbling, their cries. And the scripture records, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven on you. The people are, are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. In other words, will they just do what I told them to do? Take a basket and go collect your food. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they, are, what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Do you know that God cares about your personal needs? He does. And this, these verses from Exodus 16 are, are just one example of how personally he cares. Um, I think he's a good cook. He makes really good food. Have you eaten any strawberries or blueberries lately? Have you had any farm fresh eggs? He makes really good food. 
But here's an example of how he cares for his people. And, and he was sending them something that could be touched and smelled and tasted and digested for nutrition. It was a new kind of food sent from heaven by God. And its distribution was a reminder of the importance of the special day that God ordered as a day of rest. So in Exodus chapter 16, and I put Exodus 30 here, I don't know, I, I don't even know how you type that wrong, but I did. It's Exodus 16. It's, here's the, here's the, the extended account. The people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need, and as the sun became hot, the food they had picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, there was twice as much as usual on the ground, four quarts for each person instead of two. The leaders of the people came and asked Moses why this had happened. Short memory. He replied, the Lord has appointed tomorrow as a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. On this day, we will rest from our normal daily tasks. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. Now, some people had kind of hoarded it when manna first fell from heaven, and when they had leftovers, they opened up the next day, and it was full of maggots. They were supposed to trust God that every day, six days a week, there was going to be enough for them because God was going to take care of them. So the next morning, the leftover food, this was on the Sabbath, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. So Moses said, this is your food for today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. Gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground for you on that day. <laughs> this boggles my mind. Some of the people went out anyway to gather food, even though it was the Sabbath day, but there was none to be found. So I don't know if they didn't gather twice as much on sixth day, or if they were like, maybe we can get fresh today. But there was none to be found. And the Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? Do they not realize that I have given them the seventh day, the Sabbath, as a day of rest? That is why I give you twice as much food on the sixth day so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must stay in your places. Do not pick up food from the ground on that day. So the people rested on the seventh day. What a wonderful teaching about this day that's different, the one day that's different out of seven. The first thing God made known to the Israelites about this day, this different day of the week, was that it was a gift. A gift. I'm pretty sure that slaves in Egypt never got a day off. You read that Old Testament passages about their slavery. Slaves who were beaten to make more bricks out of less material did not have a six-day work week. This commandment was a gift. Something they were so not used to. What an amazing gift from God. Well, 
Now, let me take you from that Old Testament setting where through creation and God creating everything in six days and resting the seventh, and from the, the manna, the food from heaven that God planned it out so they would not have to work on the Sabbath. They would have all that they needed so they could rest that day. Now, let's, let's go to the New Testament. Let's go into the life of Jesus. And, and my question is, what happened to this commandment between the time God gave it back there in Exodus chapter 20? He gave it as a gift to his people. And what happened then when Jesus came and was in ministry on the earth? Well, here's what happened. It became encumbered with so many man-made laws. It was a burden, not a blessing. Do you like math? I had to get out a calculator to be able to put this slide together. <laughs> Couldn't do 39 times 39 in my head. Some of you can. So here's what happened. The law-happy rabbis counted in the Hebrew text there were 39 letters in the fourth commandment. So they multiplied 39 times 39, and they created 1,521 man-made laws that defined Sabbath-breaking. It was a burden, not a blessing, remember? If I had time to recount a list of these laws, you would start laughing. Here's one. You could pick up your child on the Sabbath. Oh, good, because they need to be picked up if they're small. You could not pick up your child if they were holding a stone. That would be work. 1,521 of those laws. And Jesus walked into that. That was the mindset that bound up the gift of Sabbath when Jesus came to the earth. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 12 and get some context on this. And Matthew puts two stories back to back here about Sabbath. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off heads of wheat and eating the grain. Some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, your disciples shouldn't be doing that. It's against the law to work by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Now, just look at, think of the logistics of this. That Shucking some grain kernels off in the field is like opening a, one of those individual bags of chips that you'll have with a, with a lunch, a, sand, a, a packed lunch, right? It, it, that's all it is. It's not taking your harvest crew into the field and harvesting the whole field. It's just going to have a snack, getting hungry. You can't do that. That's what they said. But Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what King David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and they ate the special bread, the show bread, reserved for the priests alone. That was breaking the law too. And haven't you ever read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would have condemned the, you would not have condemned those who aren't guilty if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. God saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I, the Son of Man, am master even of the Sabbath. 
Well, they're getting angry inside. Now we go on to verse 9. Then he went over to the synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, is it legal to work by healing on the Sabbath day? And the New Living has in parentheses, they were, of course, hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. <laughs> and Jesus answered, if you had one sheep and it fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you get to work and pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, it's right to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, reach out your hand. The man reached out his hand and it became normal just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting. We've got 1,521 rules and he's breaking a bunch of them. They called a meeting and discussed plans for killing Jesus. What was Jesus doing? He was teaching the Sabbath principle the way God intended it to be understood and practiced. The Sabbath principle is that one day in seven is to be set apart for rest and worship. Long before the Ten Commandments were written by God on stone tablets, God himself rested after six days of creation. Then God demonstrated that Sabbath principle in how he sent food for his people in the wilderness. The life-giving manna fell six days a week so they didn't have to collect any on the seventh. The Sabbath principle is a moral law of the universe. You cannot break it you will break yourself against it. It is engraved into every cell of your body. Example, after the French Revolution, the French Revolution was an ungodly revolution. And so the French people, when the dust settled, were trying to sever ties with religion and the church in their culture. They decided to abolish this, the recognition of a weekly Sabbath and decreed that the schedule now would be one out of ten days was the day off, a day of rest. The experiment was so disastrous that the government had to reinstate Sunday as the day of rest. A Dr. Hagler from Switzerland conducted a series of experiments about oxygen and the human body. And he discovered that our bodies expend more oxygen in a day of work than we can recover in a night of rest. So a weekly day of rest is necessary to restore the accumulated loss of oxygen from your six days of labor. So we're to honor God's holy day. The Sabbath that was given, and I'll just give this brief explanation. I could have spent a lot longer here in what I'm sharing today, but I'll give it very briefly. The Sabbath that was given to the Jews remembered God's rest in creation on the seventh day. Seventh day is Saturday. The early Christians continued Sabbath keeping, but when Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared on the first day of the week. Remember how he went into the the upper room where they were gathered behind locked doors. And, and the greatest understatement of Scripture is recorded when they saw Jesus and realized it was him. And the Bible says, and they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Uh, that's the biggest understatement in the Bible. It changed everything. 
he's alive. It's, it's Sunday. He's alive. They, they changed the terminology from the Sabbath to the Lord's day. Jesus shows up when we gather on the Lord's day. Hey, guess what? We're here on Sunday. So we have a Sabbath, if you will. We call it the Lord's day as New Testament believers because he's alive. Nothing will change that. And we gather every Sunday to celebrate that. When I come here early on a Sunday morning and I unlock the doors, I walk in and my first thought is he's alive. When I lock up the doors and I leave this place, I call out, I go, anybody here? <laughs> and there's an unspoken answer, at least audibly, I already know the answer. He's here. He's alive. He's here. This is the Lord's day. It's the special day. It's that one out of seven that we as New Testament believers observe. So this day is to be different. It's meant to be a delight, not a burden, but a blessing. It's a day when we're reminded that joy, our joy comes from the Lord. So this special day is to be kept free from work. Six days of work and one day of rest means that you spend 86% of your life working. That's a pretty high percentage. But notice, the scripture is careful to tell us, it's not seven days of work a week that you work, it's six. J. Hay Holmes, I, I put his quote up here, a man submerged in business all week had better come up for air on Sunday. And I'm beginning to call these big gulp moments. I'm kind of inspired by 7-Eleven, but that gulp, like, uh-oh. I haven't been living right, haven't been doing this right. Because the big gulp is, is because we've run roughshod over this commandment. And we've got our excuses and our reasons, like it doesn't apply to me, or I don't know, it's kind of old-fashioned, or whatever. And I just want to say to you, if that's how you're feeling right now, this is not Pastor Fred telling you how to live your life. This is me lifting up God's word and just declaring what it says, okay? So this is between you and God. Let me give you another quote. I, I really found this uh, amazing. Winston Churchill said, prime minister of England back in the day, Sunday is a divine and priceless institution. It is a necessary pause in the national life and activity. It is essentially the day of emancipation from the compulsion and strain of daily work. The Lord's day is for you to be recreated and refreshed and renewed. It's a day of rest, of difference, of helping other people, of, in, of sharing life together with others. It's a day of hearing God's word and then studying it and meditating on it. It's a day of making music. It's a day of, of recognizing who's God. He's God, I'm not. There are no set rules how you're supposed to schedule this day. There's a lot of man-made ideas, but there's no set rules. We're just supposed to use it to please the Lord and keep the commandment because we were wired for that. The second part of honoring God's holy day is to recognize that it was made for man. It was made for people. So a week ago, I went on an overnight retreat and I was doing some reading and came across a writing by um, a gentleman that I was unfamiliar with. He's a man now in his 80s. And he wrote this. He said, Sunday, this was his experience growing up. 
He said, Sunday was the day of don'ts and can'ts and won'ts. There was no purchasing of anything, particularly the Sunday paper with the comics. No playing, no cooking, no anything, just church morning and night. Loss of the speck of piety I might have salvaged happened when during one sermon, the preacher announced proudly that heaven would be a perpetual Sunday. Then he gets some perspective. He goes, no work is not to be a penalty encouraging boredom. It is permission to play. Almost force-feeding us to stop our doing for the sake of enjoying the Creator by participating deliciously in the creation. Calvin had it right. The primary end of living is to glorify God and enjoy that God forever. Enjoy is the word. This day is for your benefit. You remember what Jesus said. The Sabbath was made to benefit people and not people to benefit the Sabbath. Eugene Peterson, he's the, the man responsible for the, um, the paraphrase. It's called the message, translation of the Bible. Here's what he said. I like his perspective. How we keep the day is not biblically prescribed. That we keep the day is commanded. By giving us clear reasons foundational to Sabbath keeping and by not giving instructions on how to implement them in our situation, has not our Lord dignified us with creativity and initiative? He trusts us to work out a practice of prayer and play that honor and participate in holiness. Should we not be equally trusting of each other and diligently refrain from imposing methods of Sabbath keeping? Both playing and praying, praying and playing, are essential for good Sabbath keeping. A Sabbath that omits one or the other is not a true Sabbath. I like that perspective. As I've been preparing these messages, I've been reading along Edith Schaefer's book. She was the wife of Francis Schaefer. You may be familiar with some of his writing. Her uh, book on the Ten Commandments is called Lifelines. Here's something she wrote, and this is back in the, in the 1980s that she wrote this. She lived in Europe, Switzerland. She said, it is 6.45 on a Saturday night as I write this chapter. The bells of all the churches in Switzerland have begun to ring ringing out over the mountains, over the lakes, over the cities, over the, over the villages for 15 full minutes. So 6.45 to 7 p.m. Saturday night. Who listens to them today? What thoughts come into the minds of those who do listen? Many years ago when Christianity predominated, they were the call to prepare for Sunday to get the children bathed and clothing ready for the morning, to have the bread and pies and cakes prepared for the Sunday meal. Ooh, can I eat at your house? To have the house tidied and brushed up for a day of rest and gladness, a day without the usual work in fields, factories, and gardens. Floor scrubbing, a day when floor scrubbings and window washing would be put aside. I like that. Remember what God said when the people went out on the seventh day to gather? He set it up so they didn't have to work on the seventh day, and they went out ready to work. How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? Do they not realize that I have given them the seventh day, the Sabbath as a day of rest? Can't we determine to put first things first, that if God says it, 
then what I think is so important is really not important if I can't get it done in the six days. I'm going to have to come back to that at the start of the next week. And with God's help, that we would prepare, we would be intentional about living differently. In a 24-7 culture, we would say, no, there's a 24-hour period that's different. And I will honor God and I will live as he created me to be by resting, by refilling, by refreshing on that seventh day. There's a rhythm of life. It goes like this. Work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. Would you try that with me? Take your hands. This is the rhythm of life, the way you were made to live it. Here we go. Work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. Would you bow your heads? Oh, Father God, I realize that your word today and its power has brought conviction on people that have disobeyed your law. So in your graciousness, as you're reaching to us personally, I pray they would not feel the condemnation of the enemy. I pray they would feel the welcome of your power to forgive, to give us a fresh start, to determine to make changes and do it with your help. So I pray for that today for people across this room who've been convicted by this message that right now they would receive your forgiveness and they would determine to live differently. Thank you, God, for how you made us. Lord, give us even greater understanding so that we can live the way we were made. And I pray for those who desperately need rest, that you would gift them, highlight this gift, and you would give them the rest that they need. I pray, Lord, for the, 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 the stirring in our hearts that as as Sunday approaches and we think about the Lord's Day and we think about the risen Lord, we come to worship that, that it would stir in us so there'd be a preparation so this day is truly set aside for worship and rest and that you would flow in us, flow through us, and that your people enjoying the rest of God would go out and make a difference forever in this world. And now to him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. And God's people declared it. Amen. Amen. Let's go serve our wonderful God. You're dismissed.